0: Hello and welcome to episode 195 of SMARTS, which as we all know stands for...
1: Season meets all really terrific standards.
0: Indeed. Yes. I am Rediger Q podcaster, aka Trevor, and you are...
1: Julia Guglia of internet fame, dash podcaster.
0: Correct. We are back from our one week hiatus. Mm -hmm. Hello. And we've got some fresh news. (laughs) Some piping hot, a piping hot Tom King sandwich.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Okay, give me. So the upper loaf... I don't know. The analogy breaks down. The first bit of Tom King uh, news we have is the fact that um, Tom King has been tapped to co-write the New Gods movie.
2: Ooh.
0: Which we talked about was happening, you know, months ago. But this is the first, really the first news we've had of it since then. Obviously, there's been no casting news or really anything of that sort or a definitive release date or anything nailed down. So it's the first news we have of that. The fact that this is just coming out now, I don't know if that means that they're just about to start writing it or if it's written and they're just announcing it now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, I'm sure he's going to do a great job based on his Mr. Miracle series. He obviously understands the characters. I would mm-hmm. assume it's not going to be like that tone at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I would mm-hmm. assume it's not going to be the sort of domestic tragicomedy comedy style of that nice i assume it's going to be i mean if if it were me doing it would you think it'd be like a grand like kind of like the tone of the first thor movie like a grand space opera kind Mm -hmm. of thing you know as opposed to like thor ragnarok (laughs) which is kind of more like the mr miracle tone um so i'm assuming but who knows i mean maybe they had uh, pre-drafted the script but they wanted it to be a little lighter and so they brought him into i don't know but he does a lot of really dark like there's not a lot of humor in his batman run for example I mean, actually, there is quite a bit of humor in certain parts of his Batman run, just not recently. But I don't know; it's not like he can only do the funny, the funny domestic stuff. Obviously, so mm-hmm. um, witness Heroes in Crisis. Right? There's very little humor in that. So I don't know. We'll see. But it's good. It, at least it's good that the project is moving forward because I feel like a lot of these DC projects, like the Booster Gold movie or the Blackhawks movie or whatever, get get announced and then never end up happening. So it's good to know that this seems like it's actually moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's also been a kerfuffle over uh, DC movie casting because we all know that, uh, you know, the late great poor one out for the Batfleck corner, right? Because yeah. uh, it seems like Ben Affleck has done his Batman. There was all sorts of rumors going around about who would replace him. And the rumor du jour is that it's going to be Robert Pattinson of the Twilight movies, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, you possibly could not pick an actor more tailor-made to rile up the diehard comic book fans yeah cuz the the there's a I don't know what it is about like the whole twilight thing but I don't know, like... the It di- definitely has the, like a weird stigma. The diehard comic book fans have like always been sort of anti that for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Like they see it, as, see it as too juvenile and too, I don't know, too romantic, too girly, too melodramatic. I don't, I don't know what it is about mm-hmm. it. I even remember stories going back years, you know, when the movies were coming out, that there was like acrimony between people lining up at San Diego Comic-Con for like the DC Comics panel and the Twilight panels or whatever. Because like the lines would be there wouldn't be enough room for both lines and there'd be like fights breaking out or something. Like, I don't know. There's like what? a we- there's like a weird thing no. there. So I don't know. I don't know. But, and of course, people who, I haven't seen a single one of those movies, but I do know that he has a bit of a, um, I don't, it's not like quite like the Hayden Christensen in Attack of the Clones thing, but yeah. he, I think he's gotten a bit of a stigma for being kind of stiff in those movies. But I think that's kind of probably the way it was written because it, it doesn't was, yeah. exactly so seem it's... like the deepest characters in the world in those in those mo- books exactly. and movies from what I know of. Yeah. And, of course, if you'd, if you'd asked me my opinion of him before this, I would have said, I haven't seen him in anything, but I hear that he's kind of wooden. But from the people that have been popping up to defend this potential casting have said, actually, if you watch like literally anything else he's been in, especially since the Twilight movies, he's really, really good and mm-hmm. has a lot of range. Mm-hmm. So I remember when they announced Ben Affleck, which came out of nowhere, people are like, Ben Affleck, like that he's going to be terrible. And he ended up being a lot of people's favorite live action Batman actor. Yeah. So I, I mean, mean it- I, I think if there's anything, and then you go back to, you know,
2: Mike, Michael Mom. Michael
0: Keaton or like I mean literally yeah. every every Batman casting choice with the possible exception I would say of Christian Bale which I think people could kind of immediately visualize Not me. Um,
1: <laughs> I was one of the people that was questioning the Christian Bale choice although he's a really good actor and he can he can you know kind of morphs he's known that, for morphing himself into a I role I think the
0: people heard Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale yeah. and they sort of pictured kind of what the movie was pretty accurately yeah, the kind of yeah. tone that that the movie would have and, struck, the, yeah. and what he would bring to it like mm. oh it's going to be like it's gonna be dark Darker. and down to earth and he's gonna be very intense and sort of like you know, and yeah. I think that's kind of what they got. But mm-hmm. everything else people are like we don't know, what it. are we gonna get? Is this? Like yeah. um Pet like when people people possessive. heard Ben Affleck, I didn't think they were I don't think they thought they were going to get this like grizzled, older, almost like psychotically driven Batman that we got in Batman v. Superman, you psychotically know? Psychotically driven? Well he loosened up after that, but he was like trying to murder Superman for most of that movie, right? Yeah. And he was yeah. having okay. these Fair. he's having these weird well, dreams and <sighs>
1: I don't think that movie was very well portraying of the characters. So
0: anyway, but I, I think that I think that every Batman casting choice, with possibly one or two exceptions, has been has been controversial. But then, by and large, when people see the finished product, they're on board with it, or at least they can sort of see what they were going for. So, if this is true, and there's actually been stuff recently that kind of hints toward it being true, like apparently Jim Lee was going to. Where, where the new wherever the new like DC exhibit is opening Abu Dhabi or something mm-hmm. and he was he took like he posted on Instagram like what he's the, the stuff that he's working on on the plane and there was like in the corner of the frame there was like a document that had Pattinson's name on it mm-hmm. or something which has got to be intentional it's got to be like him at the very least it's him winking at the rumor even if it's not true but it, at m- most it could be seen as like an, a winking confirmation of the rumor mm-hmm. so we'll have to wait and see but, but that's been you know what a lot of people have been talking about is this potential Potential casting news. It would indicate they're going in a very different direction. Obviously, like this, this the Batman movie is was probably always going to be a featuring a younger version of Batman, be like more of a if not necessarily an origin story than have a, a younger version anyway, um, because that seemed to be what they were going for. Mm-hmm. Whether that positions it as a, but I don't know. It's it's raised a lot of questions, obviously, because is this a complete reboot of the Batman character? And next time we see him showing up alongside, say, Henry Cavill or Jason Momoa, he was, he's all of a sudden twenty years younger than he was last time we Mm -hmm. saw him when he was Ben Affleck either that or this is a prequel and next time we see him again in the present it won't be Robert Pattinson Mm -hmm. but that would be weird because you'd want the actor continuity so do you put him in in like old age makeup or something like I don't know it's weird it's a weird situation I mean obviously they've been they're trying to get away as much as they can from the first few movies and focus more on the successes they've had like Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Shazam so maybe they're not as concerned about potential like crossovers and, and continuity between these movies anymore Um who knows? So the next bit of news we have concerns the um, Falcon and Winter Soldier series for Disney+. Plus. Okay. Um, there was some, uh, I don't know if you want to call this leaks or rumors or what. It's like, it's it's very solid that it's going to be uh, coming out next summer. Mm-hmm. So not this summer, next summer. It's more than a year away. So I don't think they have scripts. I don't think they started filming yet. They're, they're, it seems like they're treating these like a movie or at the very least, I mean, it's not going to be like a 13-episode Netflix series. This is like a six-episode it's, it's rumored it's going to be six episodes. So mm-hmm. I imagine they're going to be treating it like like a like a miniseries, mm-hmm. not a season. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be three hours, three and a half hours long when you put all six episodes together, which is not that much longer than Endgame, right? right. When you look at it, there have been movies that have been that long. So it's almost like a, a movie split over five or six parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, they want to encourage that because... They want, it, they want this to, to bring as many people in as possible. That it want, that want They want people to see this as, like, another Marvel movie that you have to subscribe to Disney Plus to see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we know, obviously, we're going to get Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, but the rumors this week was that um, Daniel Bruel, who played uh, Zemo in uh, oh, yeah. Captain America Civil War, and Emily Van Camp, who played uh, Sharon Carter in those couple of Captain America movies, will be reprising their roles for this also. Cool. Which... Um, Presumably means it will take place at the very least after Civil War. One's left to wonder, of course. And we're not going to have we're not going to get into Endgame spoiler, spoilers. But I think it'd be really cool if it dealt with some of the fallout of Endgame mm-hmm. and like where Char- Sharon, how is Sharon Carter feel about what happened in Endgame? Mm-hmm. Where is Zemo after all of this? Does he mm-hmm. feel vindicated or chagrined after everything that happened? You know, right. where, how is how is Sam dealing with? You know, things that have been thrust upon him in Endgame and everything. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. Like, that's, I think that would be cool. And we've talked, you know, before, and we can't really say too much without spoiling Endgame, but we've talked before about how it would be really cool to establish certain things here that could then show up in later movies. movies, You know, you have to have seen this in order to see the movie, in Mm -hmm. order to understand the movies. Um, That'd be cool. But I mean, I think, I think Sharon Carter was a, a really, good character in those couple of movies but it kind of seemed like they just didn't have a place for her in the last couple of movies agreed and her relation her burgeoning relationship with steve kind of didn't really go anywhere and zemo as we talked about you know an episode or two ago you ranked him you didn't you rank him as like your favorite captain america villain so i'm sure you'd love to see the character again and see see what's going on with him so i think that that's a really interesting um potential you can sort of imagine the shape of the series and the kind of things it might be about the more we learn about it and I think it's shaping I think I'm probably more excited about that than I am about the the Wanda Vision series or the Loki series or even this rumored Hawkeye series that we might be getting because I think this feels like potentially the most central to everything that's going on in the movies yeah and focuses on characters that I feel like I feel like I could I could really use more fleshing out of the Falcon and Winter Soldier characters whereas I feel like with Vision and Scarlet Witch and even Loki, like, I feel like I know those characters better. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I want to see more of them, but I don't feel like, man, I, I'm not aching to learn more about them because I feel like I kind of already understand them pretty well. Right. But, you know, we've, I really like the Falcon character, but I feel like after the first hour or so of Winter Soldier, that he didn't really develop very much. He just kept coming back and we liked to see him, but there wasn't really a lot of growth for him necessarily. He was kind of the same guy each time, you know, mm-hmm. Cap's best friend who was there to support him. Yep. You know. So we'll see. Um, so there was news. So this, I think you kind of heard about the other things, but this you haven't heard about. So they revealed the format for the big Crisis on Infinite Earths CW crossover this fall. Okay. So it will be uh, taking place over the course of five shows. Mm-hmm. So Arrow, Flash, Legends, Supergirl, and Batwoman, which hasn't even started yet. Not Black Lightning, interestingly. They seem to continue to be having that be its own separate thing. Okay. But they might. Who, who knows? They might do some weird fun winking thing where Jefferson looks up and says, wow, the skies are awfully red tonight or something. Oh, well, let's, what were we doing? About, right. Tell me more about Tobias Whale or something like who knows. Yeah, yeah. Um But that's interesting. So five five shows. That makes it the biggest one yet. We've mm-hmm. had a couple that were four. Last year's was three. Yeah. This will be five. Interestingly, it will be split over two quarters, which is to say that the first three parts will air in late 2019 mm-hmm. and the last two parts will air in early 2020. Um, presumably because this year Legends isn't going to start until mid-season. Okay. um, Due to the latest sort of schedule reshuffling that they always seem to do with these shows every season to make room for Batwoman and Black Lightning, Mm -hmm. which is a shorter season, etc. So I can't imagine there's going to be like three parts and then more regular episodes and then the last two parts in 2020. So I have to imagine like the final episode, the mid-season finales basically Mm -hmm. of those three shows will be parts one, two, and three. And then the mid-season finales then the season premieres or mid-season premieres of the last two shows will be parts four and five. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't imagine there'll be other unrelated episodes in the middle there. That would be weird. Um, which means that if Arrow's only going to run half a season, the Crisis episode might be the series finale, right? Because is Arrow going to air like five episodes in the fall and then come back for five more after the Crisis yeah. in in January? That would be weird, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, but fi- so... And they said, you know, expect big things, big multiverse things. They haven't announced much to do with, you know, the plot or any special guest stars or whatever. But as we get into the shows we're going to be talking about later, I think you can start to see the whole thing taking shape. Um, but that's cool. Five five shows, including one that hasn't even started yet. Yep. Although we did get a first trailer for the Batwoman show, which we don't really talk about trailers very much anymore. But that looks pretty good, too. So and that'll be presumably an early episode of Batwoman, which will seem really weird because <laughs> you get like two episodes of this new show and then suddenly the, the crisis, you know. But I'm sure that happened back in back in the when the original crisis came out too. I'm sure there were new series that DC had just started publishing, and all of a sudden the, right, the, the creative teams were told to tie into the crisis. Yeah. You know? Um DC has a long history of uh, of uh, taking stories and completely them going completely off the rails by shoving a crossover on, forcing a crossover on the creative team. So hopefully Hilarious. that one happened to Batwoman. Yep. Um They also announced that the CW presumably for their CW seed. Service will be doing a Deathstroke animated series in the tradition of um, Vixen and the Ray, which we had previously, mm-hmm. and the Constantine ones, which were sort of expanded into an animated movie that we still have sitting in our to watch list. Yep. Um, presumably, this will be the Manu Bennett version of Deathstroke. I can't imagine they're not going to keep that continuity, so presumably it will be him voicing it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine they would do it if they didn't have the original actor, so that'll be fun. I mm-hmm. think we, we, we always like that version of the character, so it'll be cool to see more of him, and maybe they'll. I don't know if it will necessarily be more adult. I mean, the Constantine stuff was pretty adult. It'd be yeah. cool if they did like a darker, like almost like the current comics, like very dark and espionage kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, we got our first teaser for, actually, since we last recorded, we actually got the official name for the uh, Picard show. Oh, yes, that's um, right. Star Trek Picard. <laughs> kind of a predictable name, but it tells you what you're getting. And we got the first teaser, which was very mysterious and evocative. We see lots of Long loving shots of vineyards, mm-hmm. and then we get a voiceover from a character that we're not supposed to recognize, talking about how Picard fifteen years ago led the largest um, peace uh, like largest rescue armada in the history history of Starfleet, but then something happened, mm-hmm. and his career abruptly ended. And this person sounds like she's tracked him down or something, and is asking him why did you leave Starfleet, yeah. Admiral? Yeah. So we know it, it depends. I guess we what we don't know, we do know a little bit about this just from interviews that um, because the um, destruction of Romulus, even though that was in the J.J. Abrams movie, that was the event that sent Leonard Nimoy Spock from the Prime Universe over to the... Kelvin timeline. Right. So that's canon in the in the main universe. And we know that Picard has long had dealings with Romulus and Vulcan, going mm-hmm. all the way back to the reunification episodes with Leonard Nimoy, where he got embroiled in the whole and Spock's efforts to bring the two worlds back together. Mm-hmm. We know that he was deeply affected by the events of those episodes because of his mind meld with Sarek. Mm-hmm. So you can well imagine that the destruction of Romulus and the seeming death of Spock
2: mm-hmm.
0: might have this big effect on him, might even be enough to cause him to resign from Starfleet. Maybe he was a loud voice asking, you know, petitioning Starfleet and the Federation to increase their humanitarian efforts to save the Romulans. But they decided not to Mm -hmm. because they saw it as like a way of ridding themselves of a centuries long threat. And he was so disgusted by that that he resigned. I don't know. I'm just writing it in Mm -hmm. my head. That would be controversial, too, because that paints Starfleet as kind of heartless. Um, But yeah, it seems like a cool thing. And there's been sort of leaked set photos that show him. Stand in civilian clothes, standing in what looks like the grounds of Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, presumably he's there to like guest lecture or something. Um, and he's there's cadets all over all around him. So it, he's retired. He, it sounds like from that preview that it, at some point he was promoted from captain to admiral. Mm-hmm. And then something happened. So we don't really know much other than that. We know that they've got like 10 or 12 other actors that have been cast uh, as new characters. We don't know if there's going to be any returning characters. Mm-hmm. Presumably this is going to be set about 15 years after the last time we saw him in Star Trek Nemesis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's very little we know about this. But the tri- the teaser was certainly very evocative and interesting and raised a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And then the last bit of news to complete our Tom King sandwich. Um, a lot of people were worried this week because, of course, Tom King has been saying he's got this 100-plus issue Batman run all mapped out from the beginning. Right? It's going to be 103 issues or whatever it's going to be. Um, we're reaching like the three-quarter mark now with mm-hmm. this whole thing with him escaping from the nightmares and Bane and the Flashpoint Batman have taken over Gotham and Batman's going to fight back. Like this is the this is the big... We're moving into the third act now. It's going to be Batman and his allies fighting back against Bane and everything. The City of Bane arc is going to last like 11 issues or something like that. And mm-hmm. then there's going to be like 15 issues of, of like denouement slash wrapping things up. It sounds like a lot of denouement, but like... Yeah. That's what you get when you tell like a 100 plus issue you run, there's going to be 10 issues or so, which are the, you know, after the climax. Right. Um, but it's, it's like, sure, I'm on board for that. Like, complete your story, tell it. But there were rumors this week that Tom King was leaving Batman prematurely, mm-hmm. that his final issue was going to be somewhere around 85 and that his story seemingly then would be abruptly prematurely ended. He wouldn't get to finish it, which would be so heartbreaking after who've been following it since the beginning of Rebirth. Yeah. Now, this was very strange because he's one of, like, the rising stars, one of the darlings of DC Comics, yeah. right? Like, what possible reason would DC have to fire him from the series or for him to want to leave? It seemed inconceivable. Um, but it was later clarified, perhaps they weren't planning on announcing this this early. I think they kind of had to because the new story was getting away from them and people right, were speculating right. they'd had yeah, some sort yeah. of falling out. Um, DC announced that what, in fact, is happening is that Tom King is leaving the Batman, the main Batman book, but he's going to be starting a new series, a new monthly series called Batman slash Catwoman,
2: which okay. will be
0: debuting early next year. So basically, his this City of Bane arc will run the eleven issues. Okay. Then he'll jump and like then literally the next month, this new Batman series of his will start, and somebody else will take over Batman. Um, they did this with Grant Morrison too, is that he wrote the ba- main Batman books for for years, but then they wanted to give him like his own flagship Batman book that was just like symbolic of his whole run and that's where Batman and Robin came from and then later Batman incorporated
1: so in order to oh okay hang on so in order to wrap up the entire story arc with the nightmares and the Bane stuff but most importantly the Catman the Catwoman and uh Batman relationship and how that uh you know came to a head in issue 50 was it where they were getting married and then that didn't happen (laughs) um so to wrap that plot up, we're going to need to read this new
2: series. Well, it's basically
0: yes? it's basically just I think they're I'm not sure. I think there's a couple of things they want to do. I think that they've got some big things coming up in the DC universe with Doomsday Clock ending and a lot of sort of rumblings of big you know, reveals and returns mm-hmm. and and things. I think they want the main Batman books to be like more tied into what's going on in the broader universe. But that might not necessarily fit with what Tom King is doing, which is his own story. Okay. So they did the same thing with Grant Morrison. They said, we want you to finish your story. So let's give you your own flagship book which is unique to you, like there's never been a book called Batman and Robin before, there's never been a book called Batman Incorporated before, and now there's never been a book called Batman Catwoman before. Right. You go finish your story, it'll be seamless if you want to just go from his final issue of Batman to his first issue of Batman Catwoman, he's working with the same artists even. Mm-hmm. So it'll be completely seamless. But now the main titular Batman book, the flagship Batman book, can tie into what's going on with, you know, Doomsday Clock or the Dark, dark Multiverse or whatever that... that stuff that Tom King doesn't want to touch because he wants to finish his own story. Sure. So it's very similar to what they did with Grant Morrison, where it sort of, it gives you the, the, it really sort of revitalizes the thing because it gives you a new number one, it's a new title. People are like, oh, a new title, Batman Catwoman, that's cool, I'll try that out. You know, as opposed to like issue number 87 of Batman, which seems kind of impenetrable. Right. So it gives you sort of like a jolt of energy and new readers going into the last part of the run. But if you were to just read the whole thing as like a series of big collected editions once the whole thing is over it would just be Batman 1 through 85 and then Batman Catwoman 1 through 12 and it will seem completely seamless. So Mm -hmm. for us, the readers, unless you pay really close attention to the name on the comic you're reading, it'll be, it won't be, it'll be a distinction without a difference. But it allows them to do certain things with the way they're positioning titles within the broader line Mm -hmm. that gives them a bit more freedom. Mm -hmm. But so it it doesn't really make that much of a difference. It was just, you know, people were worried there for a little bit that he had been fired or something. And of course, there were all sorts of news stories at first where DC was, being quick to say oh don't worry we've got you know heroes in crisis is wrapping up but we've got a lot of really exciting projects with tom king planned for the future he's Mm -hmm. going to be doing more than plus batman has been bi-weekly right which kind of constrains what else he can do he's mainly been doing that plus one other monthly book Mm -hmm. first mr miracle then heroes in crisis with a little bit of independent stuff on the side because that's all he's had time to do but batman catwoman is going to be monthly instead so that allows him to actually do more Mm -hmm. different things for dc right than just two issues of Batman every month plus one other limited project, you know. Right. So it actually, you know, you get fewer issues of his Batman stuff per month, but you're still getting the same total number of issues in the long run, plus you're going to get other stuff for him regularly. Right. So it's it's kind of a win-win. And it, you know, allows them, it's sort of like weird publishing, you know, mix them up. But it's just the way that, that they've decided to do it. Okay. So, so that's it for our news. Wow. Great bit of news. So what was your comic of the week?
1: So this week, and well, I should say last week, but it hasn't been topped. So in the past two weeks, my comic of the weeks is Naomi, issue number five. And I just continue to love the series. This series is so full of heart and so full of really wonderful, interesting story. And everybody loves a good origin story. And this is definitely Naomi's origin story because we're being introduced to a new character. Duh. But the art continues to be fabulous. And the relationship between... The, in this issue the relationship between Naomi and her very best friend are is so tenderly treated and valued like beyond what I've ever seen a best friend relationship portrayed at in comics like this is the best portrayal ever because she's continuing to tell her story about what happened um when she touched this thing and it um it basically fused to her body and then played a message Kryptonian technology style into her brain where she learned more about her family history and her identity but she's telling it it's told through the lens of her telling it to her best friend who you know dropped everything to come meet her and support her and be there for her and and just be with her in that very exciting and very nerve-wracking and very amazing time. And just the two of them talking, it was just so sweet. It actually brings tears to my eyes. It's so, so nicely written and drawn, and it's
0: perfect. There's a lot of cool world-building, too, where we see the 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 earth that she came from was an earth that had a crisis of its own, but it was seemingly purely an, an environmental, like a climate crisis right. that they just happened to call the crisis, you know. Mm-hmm. Perhaps less dramatic than the crisis that we normally see, Um, but what the planet was left with were like these dozen or so superhumans, which were sort of forced to. Well, but a lot of them left, right? So there were a lot of them
1: died. Some of them
0: died. Some of them left the planet in disgust because more hadn't been done. Right? Um, They were the even the even the ones of the ones that were left, even the the noble ones were kind of forced to divide the planet up up into little fiefdoms just to protect the the their. The people the that they order. were responsible for. Right. And you've got this one guy who was seemingly like the worst guy that could possibly have gotten superpowers. And he was one of the few that happened to get it. And so yeah. he sort of turned the earth into this perpetual battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a nightmare hell And all, the, all their character designs are really cool. Like yeah. they have these cool uniforms that are all of a piece, but are also very distinct, like have distinct design elements yes. to them and distinct symbology. Um, and now this this worst guy ever from this planet is... Followed her here because once her power is activated, he's been waiting for that to happen so that he could track her to this Earth and sort and of finish what yeah. he started. So, mm-hmm. if, so one issue left in the series, and then the character will presumably spin off into mm-hmm. other adventures in other books. And then, of course, Bendis and Walker are going to come back and do a season two at some point, hopefully.
1: <laughs> please do, please do. <laughs> well, they said
0: they're going to. I mean, sometimes <laughs> these plans fall through, but I think that's their intention. I'm sure Bendis can write his can write his own ticket at DC. So, yeah. if she wants to come and do it, and this. Has seemingly been selling well, which good. everybody is pleasantly surprised by. Because this series, you know, you got a, a new character, a minority character, mm-hmm. no cool, interesting name that's based on any sort of existing right. superhero legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like when they introduced Jaime Reyes as Blue Beetle, at least you could put Blue Beetle on the cover. Right. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. No. That was really good. Uh, I picked um, Justice League Dark number eleven. Huh. I've, I've really been enjoying this whole Justice League Dark storyline with the Lords of Order. Yeah. Um, sort of destroying each of the magical realms and, and hunting down the practitioners of magic. And they all had, had to flee to the the Nightmaster's realm. Mira, right, is what right. it's called. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I've been saying it Myra in my head. Is it Myra? My it could be I don't also. know.
0: Um, and then that was seemingly destroyed. And now they've had to, to flee from there. And now we see all the denizens of the realm. Um, to mm-hmm. Much to Blue Devil's um, sadness because he was... The one that was basically in charge of protecting them after Detective Chimp, um, as sort of abdicated, yes, um, they all seemingly disintegrated because as, a, as a, the way the magical realms work, without without the people to believe in it, the realm can't exist. But without the realm, the people that are tied to it, they can't exist either. You know, so yeah. sort of a symbiotic relationship. Um, and now it seems like and, and the the a big chunk of this issue of course was Wonder Woman and Zatanna going to Mordru. Yes. Um and asking for his help and he seemingly gives them some power that will allow them to help him but also he's like he's a pretty evil dude he's and fickle. he doesn't, doesn't really want to help. No. Um Mordru as you may or may not remember, you've actually seen him a couple of times briefly in animation. He was uh, if you picture like space Merlin basically with like flowing robes and a long white beard. Yeah. He was this this massive magical space wizard threat to the legion of superheroes in the future and then jeff johns established his younger version in the present as a sometimes foe of the justice society so he looks here basically like he stepped out of the justice society comics in the you know the 21st century um but yeah we know that he's going to go he's going to live for thousands of years and become a big adversary even to the legion in the future so Mm -hmm. he continues
1: to be evil got it
0: yeah (laughs) um yeah, so that was my pick. I, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying it. Like You really feel that the stakes are high, like some of these magical characters might die, that the realms are being destroyed. I like even the subtle ways that it ties into um, Grant Morrison's Cosmology of the Multiverse with the Sphere of the Gods, mm-hmm. which is like this plane that exists encompassing the 52 Earths, and it's sort of like this higher realm, like this membrane above mm-hmm. the 52 Earths where all of these magical realms, heaven, hell, um, Limbo, the dreaming, all, all of these sort of realms that exist right. sort of one plane higher than us and the Lords of Order are like attacking it and, and sort of destroying chunks of it and mm-hmm. seemingly going to try to destroy the whole thing at which point presumably there'll be breakdown right. of everything. And I like the way they work in like minor characters that people aren't exactly clamoring to see again like the Khalid Nasur mm-hmm. version of Dr. Fate which I kind of have a soft spot for. Me too. Um, minor characters you see in the background every now and like oh there's Black Alice, there's... Um, Blanking on a name right now. Remember, um, sometimes member of the Suicide Squad.
1: Harley Quinn? No. no.
0: I'm blanking on it. It'll come to me later. I'm like, oh, there's Enchantress, or there's Black Alice, or there's um, Manitou Dawn. She was one of the oh, people right, that yeah. was taken over by the uh, Hecate, Hecate thing, thing in yeah. there. Uh, little characters like that. You see them in the background. like, oh, because they're all very distinctive. Looking. Right. Oh, there he is. And there's this whole thing with Jason Blood, where he's been separated from the demon. Yes. Now he's aging super fast, yes. which also happened in one of the cartoons. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. There's a, a lot going on, but it, you really feel the the pace and the, the stakes of everything, mm-hmm. and it's yep. it's really enjoyable. Um, so now, shall we move on to your pop quiz?
1: Yes, I'm ready.
0: So, because of some of our news, I thought I would quiz you. We'll go back to the classic quiz format. Uh, I would quiz you about the original Crisis on Infinite Earths in the comics. Oh, God. Okay? Okay. So, you've heard people talk about this enough that hopefully you've... Uh, retained some, some of this. information. Sure. All right. So Let's number, see how well I do. Number one. Okay. When was Crisis published?
1: See? Already. Out of the gate. Um... 1983.
0: Close. 1985 to 86. Sweet. Okay. Number two. Mm -hmm. What was the creative team? (laughs) Uh, This you must admit you have heard many, many times. People interviewed about this, talking about it in interviews, the names plastered on, you know. Was it
1: Grant Morrison?
0: No, it wasn't Grant Morrison.
1: Was it Tom King?
0: No, I'm not sure Tom King had been born yet.
1: In 85?
0: Tom King's like our age. All these what? writers we're reading now are basically our age. Tom King's maybe okay. a few years older than us, but he was not writing comics in 85. Makes me
1: feel old. Um, let's see. Uh, was it, oh, what's his name? Um, Sandman.
0: Neil Gaiman? Yeah. No. It was um, Marv Wolfman was the writer and George Perez was the artist.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, no, I missed that completely. All right.
0: Okay. Number, number three. What was the mandate behind Crisis on Infinite Earth? What was the editorial reason why it was undertaken?
1: Oh. Um to reduce the number of parallel Earths because from infinity to fifty two. No. Was it to fifty two? Is that where No, not yet.
0: But that's um, not important for this. But why? Why was, uh, that, why was that deemed necessary to do?
1: Because there were too many stories that were unrelated and they wanted to make sure that anybody who picked up any comic book could read about the same iteration of any character. To
0: make them more accessible, yeah. it yeah. was more accessible and less confusing, that's right. Who was the villain?
1: Uh, the Anti-Monitor.
0: That's right. Yay. Also known as the Anti-Monitor.
1: Anti-Monitor. He's, he's, you he's got, actually...
0: You got Uncle Monitor and Anti-Monitor.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. All
0: right, number, number five. What two iconic Silver Age characters died during the series?
1: Um, Flash.
0: Right. And
2: Supergirl? Correct. Awesome.
0: Many, many other characters died. But when you think of the two characters that died in the crisis, that's who everybody thinks of. Because okay. you've got the classic Flash, you know, running so fast yes. to destroy the anti gun thing. And then you've got the classic cover of Superman Super, holding Super Supergirl Girl. with all the other heroes standing on different tiers yep. behind them. All right. Number six. Name three Earths that were not destroyed, but merged by the end of the series. Earth Prime. Um, no, Earth Prime was destroyed. Uh, was Earth Prime destroyed? That would be weird because that's our Earth. But no, I think technically Earth Prime was destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how they explained that now that I think of it. But no, by the end of the series. Hold um, on. Hey, I didn't finish. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm just giving you bigger, more context here okay. to help you out. But, so infinite Earths, by the end, there were only five or six. And those were merged to strengthen them and protect them. And that's why there were characters that had previously existed on different Earths to each other. But after the crisis, they only remembered one continuous history and all living together on the same You're Earth. You
1: were expecting I give you numbers?
0: Well, they were all they had back then were numbers or letters. So, yeah, that's really all you can give me. Or you could say the Earth that these characters belonged on or whatever, this family of characters belonged on.
1: Okay, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. Um, well,
0: what's, what Earth basically had to survive in order for... Earth thirty-three? Um, I don't think that was a thing back then.
1: Hmm. 19.
0: Are you just pulling out numbers? Well, what, but what Earth? What Earth basically had to survive for the comics to even continue? Well,
1: I being mean, the published? one with Superman on it, which would one... have been. I don't know, Earth well, One. W-
0: yes, that's right. Earth One survived. Oh, okay. That would um, have been very, very surprising if the Earth with all the characters everybody had been reading about yeah. for for uh, thirty years hmm. at that point had been destroyed. Earth Two. Earth 2 survived, of course, because you had the Justice Society and all those characters. They were moved; they were merged right. into the main Earth, and so now they just were older than everybody else, but they always remembered being on the same Earth as everybody else. And that's the status quo we've basically had since then.
1: And Earth X?
0: Correct, because the characters like Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters yeah. were also part of the new history of the merged Earth as being basically contemporaries of the Justice Society mm-hmm. back during World War II. So that's pretty good. You've gotten three so far. So then three is all I asked for. Do you want to try to get the last couple? Sure. I think there were only two more, if I remember correctly.
1: Um, Earth M.
0: What was on Earth M? Bunnies. Bunnies? Yes. Nothing but bunnies? <laughs> yes. No, I, I think that one was probably destroyed.
1: <laughs> oh, no, the bunnies. Um, but we still have bunnies, right? Right, because okay, there are bunnies.
0: Good. Much like there's like a flash on many different Earths. There's bunnies on many different
1: Earths. Okay, good. As long as the bunnies survived.
0: Some of um, them, an infinite, untold number, were horribly annihilated by an antimatter wave. No. <laughs> but the relative few that lived on our Earth survived.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, what about the the one with the um, the the like. The quick
0: person. The quick person.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. The Jesse Quick. Jesse Quick. Um. No, that was Earth Two. I'm talking about the the guy, the, who, Johnny Quick. There we go.
0: The hero Johnny Quick, or the evil crime syndicate Johnny Quick?
1: Crime syndicate.
0: Are you are you trying to say what about Earth yeah. Three, where the yeah. crime syndicate lived? No, oh. the Earth the uh, the crime syndicate were all killed in the Crisis on Infinite Oh, Earth. cool.
1: Okay. Not good news. No, for No, the that. last
0: two that survived were. Let's see if I can get this right. Earth C, do I have that right? Which was the Charlton Comics Earth, where you had characters. So these were characters that DC had taken ownership of when they acquired Charlton Comics. And this was their opportunity to merge those, com- those characters oh, with the mainer. So cool. you characters like The Question, Blue Beetle, Captain oh, Adam, cool. Nightshade. That's the name of the character I was thinking of earlier. I had to put her in the context of the other Charlton characters before <laughs> I could get there. Um, Peacemaker, basically all the characters that Watchmen would later, later be based on. That's funny. Um, this was their opportunity to merge them with the main Earth. And so now you don't even think about it. Like, of course, the question in Blue Beetle are on the same Earth as Superman and Batman, but it wasn't that way until after the crisis. Yeah. And then the last Earth was Earth S. I think I have that right. I which was the, I was about
1: to say S. Yes. Which
0: was the Earth where all the Fawcett comic characters, most prominently the Marvel family... Resided on.
1: I was going to say Marvel. Basically okay.
0: the characters they acquired when they acquired Fawcett Comics. Okay. This was basically DC's opportunity to, even the even the, even the Freedom Fighters, mm-hmm. Even they were characters owned by Quality Comics, which DC had acquired decades earlier. Mm-hmm. So this is basically their opportunity to take all the characters that they had bought over the last couple of decades and put them all together in one combined universe. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they sacrificed a bunch of other Earths that readers were familiar with, like Earth Three with the Crime Syndicate. They were gone. There was no, there were no Crime Syndicate stories for like twenty years after that until Grant Morrison bought them back in, um, in a graphic novel as part of his JLA run, is completely different version. Um, but yeah, they killed off a lot of classic characters there, and, and there were random survivors like the Superboy from Earth Prime. Our Earth, the only superhero from Earth Prime was um, was a Superboy, and he survived. So there were a few like characters that mm-hmm. were like the last survivors of their earths yeah um, that's why 14
1: they, came into my mind because I don't remember but there was something musical about so one batch of heroes musical. maybe I'm thinking about no, something else I'm not sure else. about that I don't know what I'm thinking about
0: but uh, but yeah those were the five that survived I don't think I'm forgetting any yeah okay okay so you did pretty good so you got well, the I got um, three Earths. you got the mandate you got the villain you got the two iconic silver age characters and you got the three earths um, plus, you kind of got some of the bonus. I guess you didn't really get the the last two for that one. Um, and you got close for the year. So I'll give you four and a half out of six for that one. Sweet. That's pretty good. Yay. All right. So shall we talk about our shows? Yes. So we've got five season finales to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some stuff from the episodes leading up to them also, which we haven't really talked about yet. Um, so we thought that we'd, in order to sort of lend a little bit of uh, structure to the proceedings so we don't go on forever, we thought we'd um, discuss them in the context of ranking them as what was our favorite season finale Mm-hmm. Um, to our least, to our least favorites. So we've got Flash, Supergirl, Legends, Arrow, and Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Spoilers,
1: because so, we're going to be talking about why we chose right. what we chose. So we're
0: not going to talk about Agents of Shield this week because that'll literally be the only thing we have to talk about next week mm-hmm. uh, with with the addition uh, of the uh, Swamp Thing season pre- series premiere, which mm-hmm. we'll also have next week. So what do you want to do? You want to you want to go through your list, or do you want me to go through my list and then we'll.
1: I'm curious to hear about your list. Okay.
0: Um, so I'll just, I'll run, I'll run through it and then I'll justify it. So I think my favorite was Flash. Okay. Um, it's pretty close. So, so none of, I there were none of them that I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. There were some that I thought were were um, a little disappointing in, in some ways or like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, that was a weird choice or something like that that kind of took me out of it. Um, but I'd say Flash is my favorite, followed by Supergirl, mm-hmm. followed by Legends, followed by Doom Patrol, and then lastly Arrow. Hmm. So, I don't really have any complaints about the first three. I think Doom Patrol I was a little let down by just because I felt like there were there were more unanswered questions. And they're they're doing more episodes. They're doing a second season, right? But there were certain things we talked about afterwards. Like, wait, did they ever explain why this was, or wh- why did that happen, or did we ever learn about that? Like, I, I'm not the kind of person normally that likes a lot of like needs all the loose ends tied up. Like, I enjoyed the Battlestar Galactica series finale. From after all, um. But I don't know. There were, there were certain things that I felt like, things that had been set up that weren't paid off, mm-hmm. Things questions that were raised. Like, if you want to raise a bunch of questions and then hint at the answers but not give them, that's one thing. But it felt like, structurally, like there were certain things that were supposed to have happened or supposed to have been revealed in this episode that they just didn't have time for or didn't get to. Um, and the, the pacing of it seemed kind of jarring because it, it sort of jumps forward and now they've been trying to live normal lives for a few months or something like that. Yeah. And then they're forced back together. Um, And then there's this big battle at the end where all of a sudden Mr. Nobody is like an underdog helping them and they've got to deal with the cockroach and the the giant rat and everything. And, you know, like they're subverting your expectations, but... Um, and we know how I know how much you love to have your expectations subverted. I love it. But when the whole season's been leading up to a big confrontation with Mr. Nobody, you can subvert those expectations, but you have to do it carefully or else it sort of feels jarring. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're like, wait a minute. This is not... It can it can kind of take you out of it. So I enjoyed... I thought everything they did was great in the episode. I think it was all very well done. And the characters got great moments. You could really see how they were grown and everything. And it was written very well. Um, but just structurally, it, it seemed like it was a little jarring to me. Yeah. Arrow, I thought, was really good also. But I had some complaints with it. I thought that Emiko kind of went out too quickly, kind of like a chump. Like she she becomes good, which felt kind of trite and predictable. And then she dies like five minutes later, which also felt kind of predictable. Mm -hmm. I felt like that character didn't really amount to as much as I was... Yeah, but that was not this episode. Like, that was a great episode. Yeah. That was, two, like, two episodes ago, though. I'm sort of... We didn't really end up talking about that one very much. That was one of the best episodes I think episodes of it as of
1: a piece because it led into this, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I think,
0: I think it was a really good season, but the finale, I think they were a little hamstrung by the logistics because there was a lot of things that had to happen. They had to set up the crisis, which mm-hmm. we'll get to what they did about that in a bit. They had to set that up. So by the, by the nature of what the episode had to do, the threat was basically... Over and done with halfway through the episode, right. right? And then you had this long period where it's like Oliver and Felicity are retiring; they're leaving, and everybody says goodbye to them. And then they go, and then then there we see them setting up their new life. And then there's a flash forward by like six months to a year or something, right? And now their baby, the baby Mia, is there. And then the monitor shows up and takes them away. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, and then we're seeing them. They the last time they're ever going to see each other. And there's this tearful goodbye. And then there's all the future stuff. Mm-hmm. And it jumps to the future and now Felicity says goodbye to them there too and we see the Monder appear there and take her away like all good stuff and all like impeccably acted and everything. Yeah. Like the performances were fantastic. Like I was in, I was I crying was by years. the anger. But that's a lot of stuff and just pacing wise it's it strange. A Structurally weird. it's strange. I mean, but the they kinda, they at had the... to do it. I know. Because you got to set up the crisis and also Emily Bett Rickards as you may or may not know, this is her last season as a regular. So, for all we know, we might not see her again. Like in the present, she's Mm -hmm. off raising Mia and nobody's supposed to know where she is. And Oliver's presumably never going to see her again. And in the future, she's gone because she's taken by the monitor to heaven, some other dimension, some place Mm -hmm. where she can be with Oliver again, presumably, which Mm -hmm. is nice. Um, But they had to write it so that if she never appears on the show again, Mm -hmm. we feel like we've gotten her her ultimate ending and also left her in a... Place, place in the yeah. present that, that fits with everything else. Mm-hmm. I would be very surprised if we didn't see her one more time in the final episode. Yeah, But she's not going to be a regular next season and, and there's a distinct chance we might not see her at all. And if that's the case, and I don't know, I haven't read if that was her choice or just this is something that the producers wanted to do because they're going to do something very different next season. Mm -hmm. Um, it certainly, it fits with the story they were writing because now she's off raising the baby and she doesn't want any part of this life anymore. And if Oliver's off fighting in the crisis and can't go back to her, then aside from cutting back to her feeding the baby a bottle or something, what reason would there be to go back to her story? Right. So it makes sense. But I'm wondering if they wrote it that way because they were asked by her to write her out of the show. Mm -hmm. It does feel like a natural, like it feels like it's been building there all season, but maybe she asked them a year ago. Yeah. To write. So I don't I don't know. I haven't read anything about whose decision it was. I would be very surprised, like I say, if we didn't see her one more time in the series finale. Like, say Oliver dies in the crisis, right? And then, but the final shot of the show is picking up from future Felicity being whisked away to whatever dimension by the monitor. Say Oliver dies in the crisis and it cuts to black, but then it comes back. Mm-hmm. And we see Oliver surrounded by whatever. He's in heaven or he's in whatever, re- re- he's gone to whatever reward the monitor has allowed him to you mm-hmm. know go to mm-hmm. and there Felicity appears she looks 20 years older but he looks the same or whatever mm-hmm. and now they're here finally together in this you know peaceful realm where they can be together forever mm-hmm. and you know whatever like and that would be a nice way of having her back briefly in the final episode and tying everything together right but I don't I don't know if they're going to do that but that's at least we the audience now know that presumably they're going to be together because he's her off to wherever that is But yeah, like I say, it's just they they had to cram a lot in there and I feel like they did it as good a job as they could but it really felt like it was trying to serve a lot of masters and Mm -hmm. instead of just wrapping up the story they were trying to tell and the themes they were dealing with this season, it was trying to do too much and that's sort of what knocked it down. Whereas the other three, like Flash... You've got the big battle with the reverse. They've got the cool reveal, you know, that yep. the dagger thing is actually like he wanted it to be destroyed. I feel like that was actually very well set up. Um, it's destroyed. They get this big climactic battle with reverse Slash, which is always cool because he's like the ultimate enemy. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen him true to form in a long time. Right. Um, then because the his- because history has changed now um I almost called said Iris no Nora Nora disappears right and they're left to deal with that and those scenes are really affecting and the whole season has sort of been her story and her growth mm-hmm. so when she goes out and makes the ultimate self sacrifice that feels like a proper f- conclusion to the whole story of the season and now they're left at the end bereft they're, they're never going to see this version of their daughter again, but they know that at least they'll see her again one day because there's still her whole life Right. that she's yet to, she hasn't even been conceived yet. Mm-hmm. But then we see the reveal at the end where, in sort of like a why would it happen this way, kind of cartoony way where the dates in the newspaper actually look like they're ticking down. Yes. I don't know why that way. you think it would just be like blip, a blip and then they would change, but whatever. Which Let's they say did the, before. The, the, the anyway. Flash is now no longer going to die in the crisis in 2024. He's mm-hmm. going to die 2019. Right. Which I guess means that if he's going to die in the crisis, it's going to happen in the three parts of the crossover that are this year and yeah. not next year, or maybe Has we're not, to supposed be this year. not supposed to think about that. Maybe no. I don't know this year. Um, so that was so I felt like that episode was just structurally very sound. You know, it felt like it really followed through on all the things they were setting up this season. You know, like Grace, you kind of got Grace, and you got Nora. You know, the two. Daughters, so to speak, of the, of the villain and yeah. the hero. And one couldn't couldn't give up on her need for vengeance and destruction. But the other, even though there, she was tempted by her darker impulses as a part of the negative speed force, she still chose to rise above that. And instead of taking out, instead of beating the reverse Flash and taking revenge mm-hmm. in the way that he would have wanted her to, she chose to be her father's daughter and just like peacefully fade away and have this noble end so I felt like that was a fitting conclusion Mm -hmm. the Supergirl stuff you got the only thing I wasn't crazy about in the Supergirl stuff this felt a little too like I'd love it if the world worked this way but I've seen enough over the past few years to kind of know that it doesn't is that Kara publishes the article exposing all of Luther's and the president's schemes and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden all the public instantly turns on Ben Lockwood but it's like no they would dig in their heels harder absolutely that's not how the real world works you get like this Lex Luthor truthers who are like you know what I mean
1: this is all just fake news yeah truthers L- truthers L- I don't know lex truthers? Just kinda... lex truthers lex truthers that's, that's a, a that's good one, it. That's, that's, the that's, best one
0: that's, yeah. that's a good one um yeah so <laughs> that kind of took me on like like literally like they're there like they're like holding up mm-hmm. the signs like we hate aliens and then you see them getting like notifications on their phones about this article that she's published yeah. and it's like they reverse their signs and then they're all like we love aliens written on the other side like it was practically that much yeah. of a light yeah. switch flip so that that took me out of it a little bit but The whole thing with Ben Lockwood... I mean, it's
1: a nice fantasy. The whole thing
0: with Ben Lockwood, his descent, like he ultimately goes so far over the edge that his defeat is almost perfunctory because it's like he's almost a mockery of everything that he used to be. Right. He's this like crazed supervillain basically and Mm -hmm. doesn't really stand for anything anymore. There's that nice scene where we see his son giving like a press Mm -hmm. conference and he's Mm -hmm. there sitting in jail and you're kind of looking at his expression like, is he contrite? Is he... Is he ashamed? Is he... Angry? Is he is angry? He, yeah. Is he sad? Is he he's proud? He's Like, you're trying to... like.
1: Maybe he's all of those things. Yeah, and, and Sam
0: Whitworth's fantastic. And you're he's trying to so look in great. there, you're like, what is he feeling? Like, are they going to bring... I could see them bringing him back too. Like, yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um, the Lex Luthor stuff, that was all really good. Like, again, like, I feel like like he flicks his... He, he snaps his fingers and he's got like the CG power arm yeah. on and he's flying around. Like, I could... That stuff is not my favorite. Like, I like the actor being like... The genius, ruthless, yes. physical mm-hmm. Lex Luthor, not the flying around shooting energy beam stuff. I could do without that, as, uh, comparatively speaking. Right. Um, but his defeat was cool. I, I was worried for a while that it seemed like Kara just like she tried to save him. He didn't want to be saved. You know what But I, then he dropped and he exploded. Like she could have caught him. Like he didn't yeah. want to be caught, but she's super fast. She could have caught him. And like that's a really chump way for him to go out. I hope he yeah. didn't die in that explosion. Then we see that he like teleported away and that's all good. But then Lena shows up and she shoots him. Um, so I want to get your opinions on this stuff too because I knew that you had very strong opinions on where you wanted Lena's Ark to go. Yeah. And then of course there's the whole thing where Luther with his seemingly dying, dying breath growth. reveals to her that, that uh, for all of his, for all the fact that she may have shot him and uh, achieved a certain Pyrrhic victory over mm-hmm. him, at Least he never deluded himself the way that she has to think that she actually had friends and people that trusted her because look, I'll show you all this evidence of the fact that everybody you know has like been keeping secrets from you and laughing at you behind your back, basically, which is obviously a distortion of the truth. Right. But, um, and so she left in an interesting place. Then we get that great scene, um, with the monitor. So the monitor's in all these episodes, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, where was he in the where was he in the flash? I'm trying to remember, he was there, but what was he what did he do in the flash? He oh. was there, wasn't he?
1: No, I don't remember him being No, there. he was
0: in all of them. In Supergirl, he showed up to, uh, for some reason, welcome Malafa'ak, mm-hmm. uh, John Jones' brother, to Earth and turn him loose, which mm-hmm. seems like weird. In Arrow, he was there to take Oliver off to fight in the crisis and then to escort Felicity to heaven. In Legends, he was there to basically say, this is too weird even for me and then sit <laughs> in the back eat, of the circus eating eat popcorn, popcorn or whatever. That's hilarious. But he was in Flash 2 and I can't remember. He was in all four of them. I, I definitely know that, but I don't remember what he was doing in no, flash I got nothing no it's not coming to me um
1: do you want me to look it up
0: no' we'll, we'll we'll remember later um but yeah so and then legends was just a great capper to the whole like in the in the legend style you know a lot of humor mm-hmm. a lot of heart you know I actually bought I thought for a second they were gonna kill off Nate he had yeah. a great last scene with Tom Wilson's character yeah really heartfelt and then the father sent him back down so he could go back into his body kind of kick him off the overhead beam there beam. that was great that was so cute. and then we got this thing where zari didn't stay in the like temporal safe zone yeah. she came out to, to help to with everybody him. else and she seemingly got erased and replaced by her brother who now yeah. everybody remembers as being the only yeah. guy that they ever knew like mm-hmm. they don't remember her at all um the thing with the magical creatures was interesting i guess seemingly now we've averted that dark you know anti-metahuman future that she came from because right. the world learned i guess through this episode through this weird circus yeah. performance that superpowers are cool and that they ho- shouldn't hate either magical creatures or metahumans you wouldn't mm-hmm. think that would necessarily transfer Follow, over but i but guess it that does. it did yeah. that's it's fine it's nice um, it's
1: fantasy i like it
0: yeah and all the characters got got fun moments um and we got to see the, perhaps the best Vandal Savage <laughs> guest star ever. Oh, um, so good. And I, I was actually surprised with the way the episode le- ended, with characters like um, like Mona and especially Constantine seemingly still on the team. Like I would have laid bets on Mona being like a one off, like a one season yeah, fun character, mm-hmm. and Constantine. Like I would have, I would have bet, especially when Matt Ryan is credited in every episode as special guest star and not as a regular. Right. I'm like, oh, like. He agreed to do the show, but only for one year is the way that that reads to me. Yeah. But he's still there at the end. Like you think if he was going to be leaving the show, they would have at least had a scene where he says goodbye to everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to get more of him.
2: Yeah. But I hope.
0: who knows? I mean, we don't, I know very little about that. I mean, I'd love it if, if he took part in the crisis. That would be so cool.
2: Oh, man. And if that's
0: going to be the first episode of the next season, he kind of has to be, right? Or else they, they would have to explain his absence in a very contrived way. Right. So, yeah. I, so, so, that's my feeling. So, Flash... Really good capper. don't really have any complaints about it. Supergirl, great capper. But there were a couple of things where I'm like, mm, I would have done that a little differently. Legends, now that I think about it, maybe put Legends about it. It's just that Supergirl seemed like it was kind of aiming higher for the themes it was tackling and yeah. the number of balls it was juggling. Legends was great. A lot of fun. Don't really have anything to say about it. A lot of good pathos too. Doom Patrol, a lot of great stuff. But I just felt like some missed opportunities. And Arrow great stuff too but just structurally by dint of what they I guess felt like they had to do with this episode in terms of like getting rid of some characters and setting up stuff for the crisis felt kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. so those are my thoughts what about you
1: so my thoughts were uh, vastly different from yours I put doom patrol at the top
0: I wonder how much of that is the fact that it's the most recent one you've seen, and that's the sort of. It's, I know, it's, uh, but I was
1: juggling them. It's not fair. That's why I said it's not fair because I can understand ranking the other four shows, which seem to be of the same flavor of a of a piece. But I I think that Doom Patrol stands out in terms of its wonkiness, its weirdness. I know what you mean,
0: but I think that it's on a continuum. I think I that know. I don't. I think that. Doom well, Patrol, Doom Patrol is not that much more different from Legends of Tomorrow than Legends of Tomorrow is from Arrow, say. You know what I mean? Like, if you take the wackiness of Legends of Tomorrow and dial it up to 11 and add more adult humor and swearing, that's Doom not Patrol. that far from Doom Patrol. But I, I, I see what you mean, yes. It is It is a it's, little bit it of It just feels
1: just, so weird. Um, but in terms of what it was trying to do and the setup of, of what it did... Mm, Actually, after listening to yours, I think I'm going to flip it and say Flash is first, but then Doom Patrol is my number Mm -hmm. two because you're absolutely right in terms of what they executed and what they did and how much I cried when Flash's daughter disappeared because she was really emulating her father's um, mantra and honor and how she didn't want to live in the negative force because she didn't want to live in the negative space. She didn't want to be who she was, uh, like somebody else in order to survive, like hang on to something that wasn't true to who she was and would serve no purpose and would actually make life for everybody else worse because she knew that she would be affected negatively if she, no pun intended, but she would become evil if she stayed there um, over time. And she was afraid of that happening and didn't want anybody else to be in danger just because she was, she made the selfish choice. So she sacrificed herself and it was just such a beautiful scene. And then the, and then the note that she had left, um, to her parents after the special recording in her diary, just in case, because, because, Awesome. Just more tear-jerking moments. I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful episode. And everything that happened with Cisco, his decision. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that at yeah. all. Well, so I mean, were, this is why. I- there were
0: a lot of rumors this year that the actor was leaving the show. That Carlos Valdes wanted to, wanted to leave the show. Oh. Um, so... It could go either way after this episode, right? Like, either he continues to help the team, but without superpowers, kind of mm-hmm. the way he did earlier on. Yeah. Or you could see how this could be, like, his last appearance his as a regular. On. And yeah. now maybe he pops up every now and then to help out, like, as a guest star or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's mentioned on the show. She doesn't. He doesn't even have to be on them. You remember how he was mentioned on Arrow in passing because uh, he developed some technology that helped uh, Laurel back then get her canary cry. So, I mean, I'm, little tidbits
0: like that. I'm not a hundred percent on board with his the way they wrote him out though, because I feel like for someone who's been established as being as selfless and um s- such of a like a good guy that like if you see some like like a hero, like if you see something wrong, he wants to be able to help it. like right. it's it's not really the DC hero way to like give up your powers when given the opportunity to mm-hmm. like Superman would never choose to give up his powers like the first time the very first time he saw somebody that he could have helped but wasn't able to Mm -hmm. like it would destroy him Mm -hmm. so you know like he would and he would know he's smart enough to know that about himself you know and he would never want to give up something that allows him to help people more and I feel like Cisco is that kind of guy like he could just he could just choose to leave Central City if he wanted to like no longer be a superhero go off and do whatever like Change the world in whatever different way, mm-hmm. but still, if he's like walking down the street and a baby falls out of a window or something, he could still open a little portal and catch them, right? Yep. Like yep. it's win-win. Yep. Like I under—I understand what they were going for, but it didn't. I'm not sure I ever fully bought that any of these people would ever want to give up their powers. It's not like they right. were like driving him mad or torturing him. Like if Killer Frost, like a couple of years ago, if Caitlin had wanted to get rid of Killer Frost, that would have been understandable, right? You know, yeah, but. I'm not sure I ever really bought that from him.
1: I mean, yes, but the performance and the... the oh, he's and, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what made me just value it. it you know what I mean? It, like, that's the, the choice time they I made. I was kind
0: of giving it a bit of the side I like. Yes. I can kind of see you're trying to ride him out of the show in the best way you could think of, but I'm not sure I fully am on board with this as part of his it's character. It's just,
1: yes, but that's the decision that he made. And for whatever reason he felt at the time, he may feel regret later, or it may not line up with stuff that he said before. But guess what? That's what he chose to do. And you know what? It it doesn't make sense to me but it makes sense to him and and so that's that's really it you well, know he's a fictional character if it doesn't no, make know. sense
0: to the people in the real world then it doesn't make sense. it doesn't matter if it makes sense to the fictional characters as written
1: uh, but i, I know what, but i know what you mean you like, know what i mean
0: it felt it as as portrayed by the actor it felt of it felt exactly. enough of a piece that it didn't bother you I right
1: yeah that's what i'm saying um so yeah that flash is number one then doom patrol because it There were just so many amazing character moments in this that I could not get it out of my head. They're they're saving. It's just such random storytelling, but such good cohesion between all of the actors and the story points leading up until this point. Anything that starts with an awesome word art or poem or whatever you want to call it at the beginning as read by Alan Tudyk. Do you remember this? Uh, With a recap and just kind of breaking that fourth wall yet again. And then, you know what though? Alan Tudyk carried the heck out of this episode most of him uh just being in a white room you know and and talking to a, a cgi rat and a cgi uh cockroach and this well, this Tim- timothy M- dalton was great in this one too. yeah like, i know without him yeah.
0: without him looking as um defeated repentant and defeated as but even when like his sins were laid bare yes um, and he was forced still to ask these people that he was responsible for ruining their lives for help like that's a difficult scene to play because you don't want to come off as like too desperate, right? Because you still want to come across Maintain. like a strong, self possessed character, but you also want to come across as, uh, at the very least, contrite. And you know what I mean. Like right. it's, it's, a, and you want to come across as like, um, uh, pained because you know it's his daughter that's actually
1: right in danger, in and danger no, we don't and, find out that out until later. And yeah, no, I mean, I just really loved it, the character work in this, and I just I can't get that image of. Alan Tudyk, um, Mr. Nobody, sitting in the white room and twitching with glee at having won. And the fact that they gave that scene room to breathe, there are so many people that edit past that, you know, that don't give it room to breathe and don't give it time for you, the audience, to really soak in what's happening. And just there's silence on the screen, but his lip is twitching. His eyes won't blink because he's just kind of like, uh, 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 uh accepting well, what just happened but that's also that's the
0: advantage of being on a streaming amazing. service too.
1: Amazing. Just yeah, nobody because but this
0: episode was 55 minutes. So yeah. with anything else, they would have, it been would forced have to, to cut been almost like a quarter of this episode yeah. to get down to the 41 minutes runtime of all the CW shows for example.
1: I know, but I'm just saying like it's art. This is this is where art happens and that's why I had to put it as I almost gave it to number 1, but you're right. There were a couple flaws here and there that I would have I would have liked to see, you know, like you said, things that were raised as questions or things that I would have like the the, the biggest one I think is the Silas Stone um, was reading um, Niles the riot act after the accident happened to his son but he didn't think to accuse him of murdering his wife because that's which, a logical which, which conclusion. Maybe, maybe
0: maybe he didn't. But, uh, maybe but that's didn't, the kind of thing the, the, the show conclusion. should tell us. Right. Because all the pieces are there. And it certainly seems like it wants us to think that.
1: And the amount of it times did, they've showed that explosion. Yeah. Like I would have liked some closure on that particular put, put story. Put it this or, way. Or, but it, I know we're going to get it. But, but I would have liked it right.
0: now. Put it this way. The show didn't have to tell us. Right. But it should have was, raised the question. Exactly. But it does seem like the kind of thing that the characters should be asking each other. Right. Because all the evidence. It's like we talked about in Star Trek Discovery. Like... It, at Especially the, There were things that it felt like the like characters Silas should Stone. be saying to each other that they weren't. You Especially know?
1: a genius like Silas but Stone. Like, a, I know this about yeah. your character, and I know about what you've done to all of these people. And so this just seems like something else that you would do. You would probably yeah, murder exactly. your the one person but that Phil you Morris told your acted sins acted to. Morris acted the hell
0: out of that scene, too. Amazing. This the way he was describing his son. And oh, the, like, I know.
1: And just I the, felt the, it. The I words that it. he
0: used to describe his son, like yeah. the word delicious, which is a very odd word choice, but is the kind of thing that... A parent, uh, a kind of word say. the parent would use to describe their child if they still picture them as like the chubby little baby that yes, was running around 20 years ago or pudge, something. You know? Pudge,
1: that we, yeah. like,
0: you know what I mean? Like, and the way his voice kind of cracked when he would deliver some of those Just lines. like that was, and- that was Like, I've. I've been a big fan of his going back like 15 years. I love the years editing I...
1: too because in that particular moment, they brought us the the camera angles. I'm paying attention a lot to camera angles lately, long story. But uh, the, the the way that they focused on each of their faces to to really show us what each character was feeling and the pain on Phil Morris's face when he was describing this... This person that we see, this person that he has a tenuous relationship with now, this, ad- this adult who he remembers as a boy and he's still trying to hang on some semblance of being able to control them for the sake of being able to care for them, like that tug, that push and pull relationship that they're having now is does not erase the fact that this is the same person that you know changed his diapers and lulled him to sleep and watched him grow and watched him discover and and taught him things and was a father to him and you hear that with every crack in his voice and every iota of 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 reality that's that's steaming out of this man it's so good it was really really one of the best performances here so i mean uh, just and he's only in this one scene phil morris is credited as you know and special guest or whatever but he's only in this one scene yeah so to to leave such a mark in just this quick scene that's more of a flashback than anything else is is one of the reasons why i love this show because it's just full of powerful moments like this it's awesome and then I mean I could go on and on, but I'm trying to keep it short. So we're ranking it to save time, right? It's
0: Flash and Doom Patrol.
1: <laughs> so Flash and Doom Patrol, the next one is um I, I only I only wrote Zari because is just saying goodbye to um, a character that
0: I've come to really, really love. I would be surprised if we didn't see it. just because I'm that's, sure we'll just see her, but a, she'll be a different... Such a sudden ignominious way to go yeah. out that I'm sure the next season will be at least in part about. It's not like the show isn't all about changing time anyway. I know. So we know that there's going to be a thing where like it starts next season and maybe we don't see her for most of the first episode, but then at the end of the first episode we see like an image of her and she's trying to get the others to hear her because some remnant Ooh. of her is stuck on the ship or something like yeah. some echo of her and they need to find her and restore her. Like, you know that's just
1: they, you're spitballing it, but I like it. I like where are you going? Let's let's
0: workshop
2: like, that. <laughs> like when um,
0: and I'm trying to remember the names of the characters. Jo- when Joshua Jackson's character on Fringe was erased from history, oh, yet the other the first couple of episodes of the next season, the other characters would still like hear his voice or see him in mirrors or something sometimes until he finally erupted full blown back into the world. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I Like do. I'm kind of picturing something like that, and then maybe they don't even remember her at first, mm-hmm. and she has to remind Nate who she was. And well, like, yeah, I don't know. It's the kind of thing they could. It's do. an idea. Yeah. So I don't think we've seen the last of her.
1: But I know. But the. For for the merits of this episode by itself, like you find, you really get a satisfying conclusion to what all the bad guys are, you know, their comeuppance um, comes indeed. The the fact that they basically put you know uh, monsters on ice uh, for a kind of an escapade kind of show for in in a big top tent. What do you think about it's the scene hilarious. where there were uh,
0: Sarah, uh, Nate, and. Gary dress up as Supergirl. (laughs) That made me so happy. You know what I thought was kind of cool is that I'm not sure how, I'm not sure if I'm 100% on board with this, but they referred to them as the Trinity. Now, obviously, for us, the viewers, that makes sense because they're the three headlining characters of this universe, basically, the three solo characters that have their own shows. Um, But. And, of course, the the term in the comics, of course, means something very different. Sure. But these are the three biggest characters yeah. in this universe, mm-hmm. so it kind of makes sense. But with characters from Earth-1, like, they've all met Supergirl. They've all fought beside her. But she's like someone from out of town that you've only met once or twice. Yeah. Like, for the people on Supergirl's Earth, she's a big deal. But yeah. for the people on this Earth, would they necessarily hold her in as high esteem as Flash and Green Arrow? Obviously, Maybe, we're not supposed to know. think about it that much. Yeah, but I don't I, know. I mean... You know, Sarah slept with her sister, so she, you know, so she's. You know, it's not like she's going to forget who Supergirl is, but uh, but still, I kind of wonder about. I, I wondered about that, but it's it's cool to see them, uh, yeah, have that nod in there.
1: Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was fun, um, and then I ranked Arrow above Supergirl hmm. because. There were so many tender moments. For all the flaws in both shows, I, I really enjoyed both, but I could poke holes into both uh, season finales. But what really put it over the capper for me was the ending where Felicity got her. I mean, happy those were fantastic scenes. I those just were looking great at the scenes. episode just, as a whole, at I kind point, of saw
0: the way that it felt like it was two two things sort of I know. And together it was
1: really another. satisfying. It was really tough to rank this this way, but at the same time, like you could find reasons to uh, demote. Story and you can find reasons to really raise it up. And both of these had, like, we're in such neck and neck, but we really put it over the top what for me. Was like I said, the the fact that the relationship doesn't end with the monitor coming to collect Arrow and t- uh, and take him away and leave leave Felicity to be a single mom and deal with the fallout. It it has a happy ending. There's a purpose to it, and I I'm just happy that. <laughs> that for all of the things that they were trying to do in just that one episode, they they did the best they could to squish it all in there, but they did a really nice job, and I felt every bit of it, and I was streaming tears, whereas for Supergirl, I sort of expected that last shoe to drop, and the performances were astounding. I didn't want to let... One thing about Supergirl, do you remember? Man, Jonathan Cryer, so good. The, the moment where he's really twisting the knife into um red, daughter. red daughter's yeah. chest where all all they have is a quick quick scene where he basically puts her in the battery thing after he's already all but killed her um and betrayed her and really felt made her feel that her counterpart supergirl was right about him and how wrong she was and how everything she believed was a lie it, her performance, Melissa Benoit's performance in that, but then Jonathan Cryer how he said you should have you had all the information at your fingertips and you chose to blah blah blah. And his matter-of-fact way, but his one emotion when he said I hate Kryptonians. It's just such a good acting choice, you know. He didn't have to. He could have said I hate Kryptonians. That could have been enough. But He went as far as to almost almost lose it. And it just added such flavor to his portrayal of the character.
2: Ugh
1: another reason I love this show but also their casting choice for Lex Luthor nailed it nailed it I love it I love it so much I knew he could do a good job but holy, holy crap every single time he's on screen I'm just it, it,
0: it's kind blown of like away. I, I like that line but I, when I think of that i I think that, that one one cool thing that they did within the comics of course was the whole Superboy thing where he's got this kid that he kind of sees as his son
2: mm, who's yes. half
0: Superman and half him and that kind of tears him up inside because he can't look at he, this is the closest thing he'll ever have to a son but when he looks at him like all he can see is superman because he looks for obvious reasons yeah superman has all superman's power he's wearing superman's shield and everything like that but he still sees this i remember the titans tomorrow story that jeff johns wrote in this dark future where the connor and tim and cassie and bart had become like the new justice league Mm -hmm. um and but they were like dark totalitarian versions and we see Connor as Superman fly off to his fortress of solitude, which is the Kent farm, and there is Lex Luthor, old man Lex Luthor in a wheelchair, and Connor calls him Pa. Yeah. The way Luther is like positions himself as like this dark Jonathan Kent to, to Superboy, trying to like raise him to fulfill his ideals sure, and like yeah. We've but, seen but stories still, like that but before. Still loves too. him in an interesting yeah. way. Like I, I, I want, to see that. Maybe we'll see that in season two of Titans. I don't know. It's a bit of a tangent, but I like that. What that line reminded me of is that. Like, I hope. I, I really like this version of, of Lex Luthor. Yes. I would like to see him deepened more by maybe having him question some of his preconceptions. By I'm not sure they're going to do the Connor Kent character on Supergirl because they're doing him on Titans. Yeah. But it would be interesting if they bring him back either in Crisis or whatever to maybe have him reconsider some of his positions and maybe like soften him a little because most versions of Lex Luthor eventually sort of learn to, I don't know, reconcile their more genocidal tendencies with the more practical
2: mm-hmm.
0: considerations yeah. of the moment. You know, yeah, like they yeah. don't doom the entire world just because of their <laughs> yeah. desires, you know? So yeah. I, I don't know. I'd, li- I'd like to see something like that. What did you think of the, um, the scene where, where Lena shoots him in? For all intents and purposes, it kills him.
1: So this is exactly what I'm saying. The the acting was tremendous. The reveal was really good, but I expected it. You know, I knew that he, I knew that she would drop and I knew it would drop in this episode and I knew that it would set up Lena's character. So because of it was, because it was so predictable to me and avoidable, and I really hate those two things being combined together. Sometimes I understand that every story has been told a million times and you just add your flavor to it. But when I see something that I've seen a lot of times and and I'm just not in the mood for it, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It's not fair. It's definitely subjective. But I didn't like the fact that I was able to so like I just I just sometimes am not in the mood when my shows, my favorite shows, which have told me so many beautiful stories that I haven't seen before, go back to things that I regard as tropes. And this is a trope because so it was avoidable. I yeah.
0: have I have two different opinions on the two different aspects of that scene. So the whole like he reveals to her that Kara Danvers is Supergirl, yep. and now we're supposed to think that w- now they could subvert this later by having a scene next season where Lena reveals to Kara that maybe they play the first few episodes, they play her ambiguously, and we're not sure if now right. she's secretly evil and right. plotting against Supergirl. But then they reveal a few episodes in where she's like, you know, Lex told me who you were, and yeah, I was really mad at you for a few months there, but then I realized, you know, you're you're the same person you've always been and you've right. always been a friend to me and so I'm going to choose to believe in you over him. Yeah. That would be a cool way to subvert it. You were a friend um, to
1: me as Supergirl and yeah. you were always a friend I'm to me as Kara. I'm not sure car. they're going to do that. I told me soon. Um,
0: if they don't do that, would that, nice that would seem did. a little predictable to me. Like, I'm, I'm, oh, kind of over the, I'm kind of over the whole... Well, if they don't... What I'm saying is if they don't do that, if they do do the mm. whole she is now evil thing. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of over the whole... Um,
1: One person person that the superhero has
0: been trying to protect by not telling the secret identity learns the secret identity and becomes evil because of the betrayal. Like, I'm kind of over that. But the whole thing where she shoots and kills Lex, yeah, um, you did you so you that was part of what you felt was predictable? Because to am am I correct or were you referring more to the whole secret identity? I was talking about the secret identity because the killing Luther thing felt to me it felt inevitable, like in a good way, like this was, of course
1: going to happen. What she was
0: going to do. This is the only way the relationship could end is with one of them killing the other, you know? Yeah. And it was going to be Lena because Lex wouldn't... I don't think Lex would kill Lena because... It's not that he's above killing people. It's not that he necessarily. But he really
1: is twisted and. But values he,
0: he kind of needs someone around to yeah. gloat over. Yeah. And like yeah, and, that's and what And to it like is. show someone that he's the better one. He right? needs, like if he doesn't have anyone to lord it over, like I'm ever so I'm ever so slightly smarter than they you. They are
1: his unwilling yeah. posse, is what it is.
0: He he kind of needs yeah. her there to validate him. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as she's mad at me and and doesn't want to be like me. And can't quite keep up, with, keep up with me, then I must be doing something right. right you know? But exactly. That's like his validation. But she doesn't want any. Val- so it's she may fun. B- She kind of wants respect from him, but but over. She so, knows that it's so not valuable. Lex's mistake was was thinking that her desire to save him was greater than her hatred for him, mm. or her desire to be rid of him, to be free of him. And that was his miscalculation because mm-hmm. she does love him, she does want validation from him because she's always felt like in his shadow and inferior to him. But she knows but that he is evil in her, her, her morals. Her, but I'm not even sure how much it is like I'm getting rid of this evil thing like how much of it is a sense of like justice well, and how much of it is like revenge I mean, some it's some like, is like I def- want you out that's of my life true. I don't it's want both. you haunting me anymore. For
1: me, from my perspective, it was both.
0: Yeah. I because think all of that was it. It was in there.
1: cathartic, but it was also something that she knew that she was clever enough to do because she was a, she was only a, clever and she was the only one clever enough to actually be close to catching up with him but that's the other that's
0: the other cool thing about that scene is that there's been any number of opportunities for any number of characters to just it's like the joker right like you could shoot the joker you could execute the joker batman could kill a joker a hundred times over right but it's like lex Luthor is so he's so hot on himself and he's so like i am the i am the grand villain i have these grand schemes like the idea that somebody could just walk up and shoot him like but like it's not that he doesn't plan ahead it's not that he doesn't have contingencies within contingencies but the idea that someone that he thinks he has their number you know right. we'll the do idea do that that person thing. could surprise him and just shoot him in the chest five times mm-hmm just didn't occur to him. Yeah. Like it wouldn't occur to him that Superman would like fry him with his seed vision because he thinks right. he, and he wouldn't, but that he just, because he knows, thinks he knows Superman so well. Yeah. You know, he thinks he knows Lena so well. thinks he has her under his thumb. Yes. That she's always going to be the scared little girl that mm-hmm. he remembers that looks up to him and wants his respect that she would never kill me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's a great bit of characterization for him too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was a, a really good scene. And then of course, the monitor seemingly is bringing him back.
2: Mm-hmm. So are
0: we going to have John Cryer, running around during Crisis on Infinite Earths, like either being forced to help the heroes, because like I've said before, that was the conceit of the original Crisis. The Monitor needed everybody. So you had Simon fighting alongside the Teen Titans. You had Killer Frost fighting alongside Firestorm. You had the Ultra Humanite fighting alongside Jay Garrick. You had, Mm -hmm. you know, like all these, the heroes are forced to team up with their worst enemies because the Monitor needed the strongest hero, the strongest warriors from all Earths that were still left. You know what I mean? He would have recruited the crime syndicate if they hadn't been wiped out before he got his act together. So right. what would be cool is if we have Lex Luthor fighting alongside, being forced, like I was saying, to fight alongside the heroes and maybe learning something about, you know, himself or them along the way and kind of deepening his character in that way. Right. I hope that it wasn't just, because when I see that they got the ability to use Superman on the show or Lex Luthor on the show or mm-hmm. Lois Lane on the show, mm-hmm. part of me is like, okay, but you probably only got permission to do it a handful of times, right? Like, I'm sure they would have wanted to, I'm sure they want to use Tyler Hecklin as much as they can. I'm sure they want to, now that they have Bitsy Tillich in there as Lois Lane, I'm sure they'd yep. love to use her more. Mm-hmm. But I think whether it's the movie people or whoever is coming in saying, okay, once every couple of years, you can use them for an episode or two, but that's it because we don't want to dilute the brand or we don't want to do whatever. I, it's, maybe I'm just traumatized because there were decades of this stuff where they couldn't use the Batman characters, the Batman villains on Justice League Unlimited, which still mm-hmm. aggravates me because they just disappear from that universe for the final season of that universe. Yeah, yeah. And we never got that final Mark Hamill Joker appearance or anything yeah. like that, you know? It still drives me crazy. Um, and they didn't think they were going to be able to use Wonder Woman on Young Justice, and only at the last minute they got the rights to use that. And so I'm still traumatized from that, and I'm like, so I would love to see more of John Cryer's Lex Luthor, but part of me wonders if... If it was intended to be like, okay, you get to use him in three episodes, mm-hmm. a two-parter and then the finale and that's it. And yep. But and then they had that scene at the end. So maybe hopefully he'll be in the crisis I and mean, the I monitor know. wouldn't revive him unless he had plans for him. Yep. So are we going to get like zombie Lex Luthor um, running around or I don't know. I don't know. I don't but, know what uh,
1: we're going to get. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they take James's powers back. I kind of thought that he was going to be like a superpowered guy I thought guy so, from too. I on. thought he was going to be super-strong, kind of But I understand, that, you know? so yeah, What sets exactly. him apart from the others is he's a regular guy. Right. He's a you know, And the black a man the, who's out mm-hmm. there, you know, being, being a hero mm, and yep. showing people a better way. And if he's just one more super-strong guy who nothing can hurt, it kind of diminishes, it, yeah. diminishes that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So my ranking, again, was um, Flash, Doom Patrol, Legends, Arrow, and Supergirl
0: but you order. but you like me enjoyed all of them just too absolutely it was degrees. really like hard to the difference to rank. between an eight and a ten as opposed to a one and a ten remember?
1: right it, exactly no i mean there were tears even yeah. at these the were, bottom these were all Super uniformly
0: girl. really They're good so there's, there's been finales of these shows where i'm like man they really didn't stick that landing very well like i always enjoy it but it's all it's like sometimes there are like sixes and sevens yeah in there no but i feel was, like these is, were all eights or 10s all... yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it was good. So now we have... So we are still been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we'll talk about the last couple of episodes next week. And mm-hmm. we'll have the premiere of uh, DC Universe's Swamp Thing, which is yeah, getting excellent reviews. And good. it's we're probably going to be the to darkest it. of all the DC Universe shows so Ooh. far. Because it's going to be like a horror show. Because James Wan, director oh, no. of Aquaman, <laughs> is executive producer on it. And he made his, made his name with horror movies like The Conjuring and stuff like that. Fun. So it's going to be like... A horror show, basically, wow. with which is what Alan Moore's well, Swamp Thing yeah, was. It, is, it was yeah. a ho- It was well, you say that as if you've, you've no. Read we were talking it. about it. Yeah, it's it, it. was a it was a horror comic with like a metaphysical, environmental, rom- romantic angle to it. Like mm-hmm. it was a lot of as most Alan Moore comics are. It was a lot of things. But if you had to <laughs> label it as one genre, it would probably be horror. I mean, it was a Vertigo series, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly, it's and it was where the John Constantine character was introduced, and he was like. The poster boy for Vertigo oh, after yeah. that, so.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Mm. Yeah, Alan Moore introduced him in an issue of uh, Swamp Thing and, pat- and uh, patterned him after Sting.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I remember you told Sting me that. Sting or
0: David Bowie? Now I can't remember.
1: I thought it was Sting.
0: He's traditionally been drawn to look kind of oh, like Sting. Bowie? Probably wonders if it was know. Bowie back at maybe the time. Bowie. I don't know. Because was Sting big in like 1983? Sure. Was the, were the police, like it would have been yeah. the police back yeah. then, right? But yeah. in 83... I Almost so. over three and a half decades ago. Was, yeah, I guess things that old. They're, I don't know. They are. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Constantine actually, like now we think of Constantine as like this older, like middle-aged, mm-hmm. kind of um rumpled guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But back then he was drawn as like this young. Yep. Stud guy who just happened to be he was like razor thin mm-hmm. and he had the hair, he had the cigarette and the coat and everything, but he was drawn like he was like maybe twenty or something like that. Like he looked really young. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think we're getting Constantine on DC Universe, although that'd be cool. But if, even if it were, it wouldn't be the Matt Ryan version, so it would be kind of strange. Mm. But we're getting um, we're getting characters you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like I think you read the Blue Devil who's going to be on this show, <laughs> and awesome. other characters like that. Uh, Blue awesome. Devil is the character that what's his name Ian Zeering or whatever. The, I oh, can't Ian Zeering? Yeah, that's yeah. that's who he's playing. He's playing Daniel Cassidy, who is Blue Devil. Oh, so.
1: dip! That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> Wow, we have much in the same way that
0: you Titans was about the Titans, but then we got like a Hawk and Dove episode and a Doom Patrol episode. I think Swamp Thing is going to be the same way, where it's going to be about Swamp Thing, but other characters from the DC universe like Blue Devil. Do you
1: think Jim Corrigan is going to make an appearance?
0: Did I read? I mean, the the Spectre was in, um, the Spectre was in Alan Moore's Doom. um, Jeez, Alan Moore's Doom Patrol. There's something (laughs) else. Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run, but I think if I'm remembering correctly, only as part of the Crisis, because there was actually a Crisis tie-in. Right of Swamp Thing where the Spectre sent Swamp Thing to hell to retrieve Jason Blood or something like that because he right. was needed for the the monitor or something. Like, I don't know. I'm probably conflating a lot of different things. But when you talk about, man, Alan Moore as, cr- as crotchety and like, I'm going to take my ball and go mm-hmm. home. Don't even put my name on the movies. Yeah. Old man Alan Moore yeah. as he became... Back in the day, like, he was game, man. Like, they are like, Alan Moore, you're telling this avant-garde swamping story. Can you do an issue where you yeah. tie into the crisis? He's like, sure, why not? Yeah. Like, it's crazy that he would even, like, these days, the way you picture Alan Moore, it's insane that he ever was like, sure, I'll write your crisis tie-in issue. Like, you're Alan Moore. Like, you don't write tie-in issues. What is this? <laughs> but he wasn't Alan Moore back then. He right. was just this guy who'd never written American comics before. He'd just done some indie British stuff. Yeah. And now he is writing his first book for DC. Yeah. He's like in his 20s or something So you think of Alan Moore as being perpetually 55 years old But he was and successful, in his 20s yeah. back then so. yeah. That's crazy I wonder if his name will be on the show Because he didn't create the character Len Wein
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Bernie Wrightson Or did Bernie Wrightson come along later At the very least Len Wein was the writer That's traditionally credited as as creating Swamp Thing um, But obviously people wouldn't know who Swamp Well I don't want to say that Fewer people would know who Swamp Thing was. Swamp Thing wouldn't be, like, the icon that he is today if it wasn't for Alan Moore, just like people probably wouldn't remember the Doom Patrol if it wasn't for Grant Morrison, Mm -hmm. or the Titans if it weren't for... Is Grant Morrison
1: credited anywhere in the show?
0: The original creators are... um, Bruno Premiani, Arnold Arnold Drake, and I think I might be forgetting one other name. There's three names credited at the beginning of every episode of Doom Patrol. I think it's the original editor, writer, and artist. Mm -hmm. Although it could be the writer and two different artists. I'm not sure. I was just wondering. Murray Boltanoff? Was that the third name? Because that would have been the editor. I don't know. Murray Boltonoff, Arnold Drake, and Bruma Premiani. That sounds like the editor, writer, and artist. I know that the writer and artist are correct. I know they, they're the writer and artist, the original comics. But I think Murray Boltonoff is credited also, and he was the editor. But back then, of course, the editors did a large part of the creative. So, like, right. here are the characters that you are going to write, and the writer is mm-hmm. assigned, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, um. so – but I don't think Grant Morrison's name is – is certainly not in the opening credits of Doom Patrol. I don't know if it's maybe, like, in the end, a special thanks to – like how the Marvel mm-hmm. movies, right? You're right, like, yeah. It always says – you know, the Avengers created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, but then at the end they'll say special thanks to, and you'll see, like, there's Bendis and Casada and mm-hmm. Brian Hitch and all these people that have written, you know, uh, Kelly like, Sue DeConnick for Captain Marvel. like Iconic the characters. Iconic stories. Are doing, here, here, here are the people without whose contributions to the comics this character would not be, be who, as they are in this movie. Right. And that's who they credit at the end of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Doom Patrol does anything similar. I can't remember. But it would be cool if they did that for this. And if so... Um, we'll see if, if Moore's name is in there. Mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping them from thanking him. Sure. But he he's he somehow is able to like decree that DC cannot credit. So when you have like Watchmen, it says like the Watchmen co-created by Dave Gibbons. And you're like co-created by Dave Gibbons, who's the other who's the other half, right? Like yeah. it is like you feel like there's something missing there and that something is Alan Moore, but he doesn't want his name on there, you know, wow. so I don't know. Anyway, yeah. we'll see. But Okay. Looks like it's going to be good.
1: Yep. I'm very much looking forward to it um yeah so that's it if you want to reach out to the show we have an email address mailbag at smartspodcast.com our website is www.smartspodcast.com on Twitter we are smuts at smuts at smuts at smartspodcast and on Facebook it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast how about a funny sound for us
0: I don't have one
2: I am the cockroach there
0: you go yes